Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Verse 16 would be a verse I would love to have fulfilled in Brevard County. What are we going to do with these men, they ask? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. You see, the best advertisement for Jesus is not a radio ad. It's not a television ad. It's not a newspaper ad. The best advertisement for Jesus is a changed life. It's you sharing what God's done in your life. Evangelistic crusades are great things that call attention to Jesus in a high-profile way, and many people make decisions for Christ at these events. But you might not know that most people that come to Jesus don't do so at mass crusades. They do it in one-on-one situations. And Pastor Mark will be teaching that these singular encounters can't happen if you're not willing to put yourself out and tell your friends and family about Jesus. You'll be learning about your need to have God's power working in you and through you to reach out and tell others about the saving, changing power of Jesus. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in Acts chapter 4 as he continues his message, Under His Influence, Cowards No More. Just write this down. Third thing. Cowards no more. Opposition often brings opportunity. You see, we would think if Peter and John are in jail, that's the end of it. But the message that they had given while they're in jail, 2,000 more Jews accept Jesus Christ. How can that be? Well, it's not about Peter and John. It's about the gospel. You see, the word of God, Hebrews tells us, it's alive. The words that I'm saying to you now, God will bring back to your memory. It finds a way into our spirit. It's not me. It's the word of God. And as we share, you never know what's going to happen. See, most of us never came to Christ the first time we heard about Jesus. It was a process. What was happening? The word of God was there. It was down inside of us. We didn't even know it. It was working. And one day, the lights came on. Understand that some of us are a little more bold. Some of us are a little more aggressive. But most of us are kind of like a little afraid to share the gospel. Paul would write to Timothy. He said to Timothy, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a power. You see, it's easy for me to share the gospel with you in front of thousands of people in this podium, because that's what I'm gifted to do by God. It's way different when I'm in a neighborhood and talking one-to-one with somebody. I'm just like you. 
There's fear. Will I say the right thing? Will I offend them? Will they call me an idiot? Been there, haven't you? We can't be fearful. Paul says to Timothy, no, don't be a spiritual coward. Forget your personality. Be filled with the spirit. It brings boldness. Notice, many who heard the message. Now, when they heard the message, that means somebody had to speak the message. One of the things that we've been told, and there is some truth to it, that as a Christian, I need to live a life. When people see us, they should see Jesus. You'll see that in a moment. So I don't have to say anything. I just wear my Calvary Chapel cap and I'm a Christian. And people will get saved automatically just looking at that cap. That isn't going to work. You see, the gospel has to be shared from our mouth. Now, why did these people, these 2,000 people, when they heard the message of Jesus that there could be forgiveness, why did they come? Well, because these people, like all of us, before we come to Christ, we don't know how to do life. We're hurting, we're stressed out, we're frustrated, we're clueless, we're hopeless. And that hopelessness is an open door for you and I to share the good news. I want to share with you a principle that maybe you haven't thought about. In all of our lives, we will run into individuals who come to a crossroad in their life. And when people come to crossroads in their life, they're more open to hear the things about God. Normally, if things are going just normal in our life, every day is kind of routine. We get up this week and next week, and this is the same, this is the same. If God's part of our life, good, there's a little bit of that. If he's not, he's not there. But there's crossroads in our relatives and friends and co-workers and students at class. What do these crossroads look like? Let me give you some. Newly married. New parents. A new parent. Why would that be an open time for someone to think about God? Not long ago, I was visiting a doctor in the area. He shared with me this. When I saw that baby born, I knew there had to be a God. He was in the delivery room. And, and then he said this. When I realized that baby's alive and going to live somewhere forever... I turn my life over to God. You say, well, that's a weak moment. No, that's a smart moment. You see, it was a crossroads. And we need to be around people to know when they face those crossroads so that we can share about God. What other kind of crossroads? A new sickness or a health issue. Someone comes into work and says, "Um, I just got the results of A test that I took last week and the doctor says, I have cancer. Is the door open? The door is open. The door is open. It's a crossroad. See, because now, as Americans especially, we like to be in control. When you're told that you have cancer and there's no hope, you're not in control anymore. You can't do anything about it. And now you realize... Well, things are going to be different. The same crossroad is the crossroad of death. A relative or friend dies in your family, co-worker. You come to a funeral, there's an urn, mostly today because we don't do too many burials, maybe a casket. 
the older style. But as you look at the urn, and you look at the casket, you realize you'll never see that person again. Where are they? And we're reminded that we're going to live somewhere forever. See, that's a crossroad. Another one is a loss of a job. Another one is a family problem, a marriage problem, a teenager, a pregnancy, drugs. A spouse gets up one day and says, I'm leaving. That's a crossroad. Of course, natural disasters. See, we need to be open enough around people and love people enough and not be apathetic so that when that opening happens, we sense it and we know that they're open a little more to God. Verse 5, the next day, the rulers, the elders, the teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem. Look at who these people were. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men in the high priest family. Now think about this. Peter and John are going to be confronted by who? It's very important to understand this. Peter and John are going to be confronted by the Jewish leaders. We know two of the names, Annas, and you already heard me talk about Caiaphas. Who are these two Jewish leaders? They were the leaders that sentenced Jesus to die on the cross. They made sure it happened through the Romans. So Peter and John are going to have to give a witness in front of two of the men that were responsible for crucifying Jesus. But uh, let, let time out here. Do you think there'll be some boldness necessary here in a moment? These are not just religious leaders. These are the ones that crucified Jesus. They had the power. Could they have the power to do the same thing to Peter and John? Verse 7, they had Peter and John brought before them and they began to question this. By what power or what name do you do this? Notice verse 8. We've talked about it before. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. He knows this is a priceless opportunity. This is an open door to share about Jesus. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's a bold Peter. This isn't the Peter when the rooster crows. This is a Peter under the influence of the Spirit. He says to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for the act of kindness shown to the cripple and how he was healed... I won't give you the thing. You can just read verses 10 and 11. He goes on in the bottom line. He says this. I I want you today here in Melbourne. You be those religious leaders. And here's what Peter says in his sermon. And I'm sure he used his finger. He says this. You crucified your Messiah. You killed him. How's that for boldness? What was the difference between that Peter and the Peter before? One thing. He was under the influence of the power of the Holy Spirit. See, he knew he had to proclaim boldly the gospel. Because these religious leaders needed Jesus Christ as well. And then he tops it off with the most bold statement you can ever imagine. Look at verse 12. And he says this, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. In the United States, especially today, we have lots of cowards as pastors. You see, a coward can say this 
very easily. All roads lead to God. But only a bold, spirit-filled pastor or Christian can give the truth of what Peter just said. There's only one way to God. And that's through, say it with me, Jesus. See, that's not being brash. That's being truthful. There is only one way. See, Peter and Jude knew, speaking to these religious leaders, that religion would never change a person. Now, you can imagine, if you begin thinking in the natural, Peter, a fisherman, is up against all these brilliant PhDs, we would call them in religion. They had all kinds of answers that Peter didn't have. And one of the reasons that we get fearful of sharing gospel, the good news, is Pastor Mark, if I share, somebody's going to ask me a question that I can't answer. So, no one has all the answers. Only God has all the answers. So you can study more and you can get back to them. And don't be intimidated by that. So here's Peter. He's standing in front of people that have all these religious answers. But watch this. Peter has the answer. And you have the answer. The answer is not religion. The answer is a person named Jesus. Look at verse 13. And when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. Not only does Peter use the J word, Jesus, but he says to them, there's only one way to heaven, and that's this Jesus that you killed. He's bold. You see, when these men look at Peter and John, what did they see? They saw Jesus. You need to understand this next point. Peter is talking to Jews. And these Jews believe in God Jehovah. The Jews and the Christians, we believe in the same God. God Jehovah. We have the same God. It's not the same God as the the Muslims. Allah is not God Jehovah. You need to understand that. You'll hear it as true. It's not true. Jews and Christians believe in the same God. So lots of times when I'm sharing with people, I'll hear this. I believe in God. That's a good thing. But what is Peter saying? He's saying believing in God is what? It's not enough. You can't get to heaven by believing in God. You have to believe in God's solution to the problem, who is Jesus. So it's wonderful to believe in God. If you heard you believe in God, that's wonderful. Great. Thank you. Good. But then you have to believe in God's gift that was sent to you. Believing in God is not enough to get us to heaven. Verse 14. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, proof, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. Verse 16 would be a verse I would love to have fulfilled in Brevard County. What are we going to do with these men, they ask? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. You see, the best advertisement for Jesus is not a radio ad. It's not a television ad. It's not a newspaper ad. The best advertisement for Jesus is a changed life. It's you sharing what God's done in your life. 
And look at verse 17 and we'll see the whole key in Satan's plan. But to stop this thing, circle this in your Bibles, if you write in your Bible, which you should. Circle this. To stop this thing from spreading. Any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer. There's no period there. No longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all, no period, in this, the name of Jesus. It's pretty common all over Asia, especially the Chinese, they wear masks. Of course, when you're on the plane or you're shopping, you see a whole family with masks, you're, you're kind of thinking, do they have something or are they trying to keep from having something? It makes you feel a little odd. This is a picture of the Christian church. The one with the mask. See, Satan knew how to stop the spread of the good news. How? Just keep people from speaking. See, coming to Christ isn't automatic. It's not something you get up one day and go, well, I think I like to be a Christian. I'm not sure what that means, but... Uh, I, I know John 3.16, here's how I do it. Uh, Romans, no, it's not intuitive. You have to tell people how to be Christians. So Satan says, here's how we do it. We just put masks on people and we'll keep it from spreading. That's exactly what was going to happen. The religious leaders say, we know how to stop it. Don't speak in his name anymore. You don't need to write this down, but you need to understand that fear stops us from sharing and spreading the good news. But Jesus knew how to spread the good news. It's part of the Great Commission. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But Jesus also knew we could never accomplish that without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the reason for this whole series, under his influence. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then you will be witnesses. And then you will share boldly from your life. It's not a concept. It's a principle. What is boldness? Boldness is speaking up when God opens the door. Boldness is not brashness. Understand, I've watched thousands of people come to Jesus Christ in my lifetime. Thousands. And I don't have a belt with a... Everyone can... There's another notch, another... Man, i got to get a new belt. i got all these... I never save anyone, ever. God saves them all. You don't save anyone. You don't convict anyone. The Holy Spirit convicts, the Holy Spirit saves. Jesus is the one who becomes their Savior. I'm only responsible for sharing. The response is left up to God. So as you see this verse, you understand this principle. What is boldness? Boldness is engaging in a conversation when you know the person is searching for meaning and purpose. Do you remember the crossroads? Your ear is open. Somebody at work that you've been with a long time, and they make this comment. The boss called me in, and I'm going to be let go next week. After 24 years here. Hmm. They're not in control. They're wondering what life's about. That's an opportunity for you. You see, boldness is speaking the truth, even when you know it will not be accepted. If God opens a door, we do it. 
Well, what's Peter and John's response going to be to this? It's very powerful. Look at verse 19. Peter and John replied to this command not to speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Well, judge for yourself whether it's right in God's side to obey you. Or do we obey the Great Commission? You already know the answer to that. You always obey God, not man. And here's the part I want you to circle. For we, circle this, cannot help speaking. Just circle that. We cannot help. I can't help myself. From time to time, we all go on diets. You're in a diet, you're out. Somebody takes you to a restaurant. You're there and you did really good. You had the boiled vegetables, no butter on your bread. And somebody walks by with this triple sundae with nuts and ice cream all on the top. And what do we quite often say? I can't help myself. And here we go. That's what they're saying. Well, you can tell us not to share, but we can't help ourselves. We can't help ourselves from simply talking about our faith. Notice what they say. We cannot help speaking about not what we've learned, not about the doctrine, not about Calvary Chapel. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. What did Peter and John see and hear that would give them boldness? Well, for three years they walked with Jesus. They saw how many lives changed. How many would have liked to walk with Jesus for three years? I would. I mean, you think it would change you? Wow. Well, what else did Peter and John see and hear? Who were the ones... That walked into the empty grave that morning. Peter and John. And it was empty. And that night, scared, huddled in a room. All the disciples are there. Who walks through the door without opening the door? Jesus. And they talked with him. They saw the resurrected Christ. I mean, how can you not help to talk about that? And then Jesus says, go to the upper room. You're not ready yet. And he says, if you go... Things will happen. They go. And what did they see and hear? They saw tongues of fire on their head. They heard a rushing wind. And all of a sudden, they're speaking in other tongues. And here's Peter giving a sermon he's never studied. And what does he see? 3,000 people except the Lord. Then they go into town and a lame man is healed who has never walked. He's jumping all over town. Everybody's talking about it. They get put in jail. And the people are... 2,000 more. That's how it spreads. Because what we see and hear. Let me ask you a question. What things have you seen or heard that you could share about that God's doing in and through your life? Pastor Mark, in today's message, taught about your need to have the power of God working actively in your life. You heard about the apostles and how they took advantage of whatever situation they were in to talk about the saving power of Jesus. You learned that the crisis times in your unsaved family and friends' lives are points where they might be open to hearing the good news about Jesus. We know social media is a big part of everyone's lives, and it's a great way to stay connected with each other. We'd like to add a little bit of joy and Jesus to your Facebook and Twitter pages, so come like and follow us. 
you'll be able to keep up to date with all the latest information about Pastor Mark, the Ministry of Lessons for Living, and the church behind it, Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to connect. That's LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Well, next time, Pastor Mark will finish this message under his influence, Cowards No More. You'll hear more about Peter and John's trial and how the Holy Spirit gave them the answers they needed to refute the religious leaders' accusations. You'll be reminded about your need as a Christ follower to have the Holy Spirit not only inside you, but overflowing into other people's lives from you. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.